0: Good morning. Merry day after Christmas, which I know Jake and Bridget have already uh, indicated, but I just want to say I hope you had a great day yesterday. And if you joined us Friday night for Christmas Eve, thank you so much for coming. I hope it was just incredibly meaningful for for you, not just to get to sing some songs and light some candles, but genuinely get to worship Jesus and thank him for coming to earth. Uh, If you are a first-time guest, uh, or maybe you just have a really bad memory, my name is Aaron lead pastor for Riverwood, and I'm really glad that you've joined us on this Sunday morning. Uh, Even though we're having to be online this week and we can't gather in person, I I am so grateful that we still get to worship Jesus. Um, On Christmas Eve, uh, I finished up our Advent series. Uh, It was a series called Seek. But uh, we're getting ready to move into 2022, and we, every year we start the year, at least for the last five years, we start with 21 days of prayer. And this year's theme is going to be the upside-down kingdom. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount and see how Jesus calls us to live upside down compared to the value system of the world that is around us. But as we get ready to move into that, I, I realize that what we're going to do during those 21 days of prayer is seek God. And so that's kind of what I'm entitling today's sermon is to seek God. And so we're going to kind of merge our previous series, the Advent series, seek and, and get it, use it to get us ready for 2022 and the upside down kingdom and these 21 days of prayer. And now, as I already said, this is going to be the fifth year that we've done this. And, and if you've been with Riverwood for more than a year, you might be thinking what I would probably be thinking we've already done 21 days of prayer. Why are we doing this again? In fact, after we did the 21 days of prayer for the very first time, I was ready to kind of move on. And it was actually our brand new elder team that said, Aaron, we think it'd be wise for us to do 21 days of prayer and fasting again. And now it's kind of becoming a tradition. Who knows how long we'll do it, how many years, but right now it seems like the right thing for us to do. But to get us ready for that, I don't want to do what a lot of people are doing at the end of the year. A lot of people look back upon the previous year. Instead, I, I want us to look forward. I want us to look ahead and, and, and really look at how can we begin 2022 in a strong way, the right way, and, and really to seek God at the beginning of the, the new year. Uh, so what I want to do today is I want to look at why we should do the 21 days of prayer and then how we're going to go about doing that. All right, so let's begin with why. To help us with the why, I invite you to open your Bible to James chapter 4. Open to the book of James chapter for. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put the scripture up on the screen for you. Uh, we're going to use slides just like we would if we were together in person. Uh, feel free also to use that Bible tab that's over there on the right side next to the chat and the notes. Also feel free to pull out your phone if you've got a Bible on there, or pull out your, your uh, paper copy of the Bible if you have it there with you. I want all of us, though, to be able to read from James 4 today. As you're turning to James 4, uh, spoiler alert, the book of James is written by a guy named James, I know, shocking, isn't it? Uh, but there are several James in the Bible. This particular James is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, we learn in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, that Jesus had at least... i Oh, I suddenly drew a blank. Three or four brothers. The oldest of those brothers, though, was James. So James was probably just a, a year or two younger than Jesus. and And so even though Jesus is just his half-brother... Jesus is the Messiah, the only person to have ever lived on this earth who's never sinned. So like when something went wrong, Mary and Joseph would look at the kids and they knew, well, it wasn't Jesus who did it. So I would imagine that there was some jealousy on James's part that he did not like his brother. In fact, there's other parts in the scriptures where we see some of his brothers mocking Jesus. They kind of make fun of him. They tease him. They try to get him to do some things that he's not ready to do. So James did not really like and respect his brother. He thought he was probably a little cuckoo. But then something happened. Something changed to where James actually believed his half-brother was the Messiah, the Son of God. What possibly could have changed his mind? Well, the resurrection. James would have seen his brother on that cross and died. And then three days later, he hears word. His brother is alive. And then he sees him alive, physically. That right there would be evidence enough that my brother is different. And maybe it's true. Maybe what my mom and my dad have told me about my brother, about his miraculous you know, uh, conception and his birth and everything else, maybe it's true. Maybe he really is the Messiah. And so James goes from a skeptic to a believer. In fact, James ends up becoming one of the key leaders in the early church. After Peter was arrested and, and escaped from prison, Peter's kind of role within the church kind of fades a little bit, and James rises up and helps to lead. You can read a lot about his leadership in the book of Acts. Well, James was not quite like Paul. He, He wasn't a prolific writer, but he did write at least one letter. This is his only contribution to the Bible, And it's the book that bears his name. Now, he wasn't like King David who waxed eloquently writing the Psalms. He wasn't like the Apostle Paul who writes these long-winded logical arguments. James writes probably the most practical and applicable book of the Bible. Like when you read it, it's not only really understandable and straightforward, it's almost a little too on point. Like he really gets in your face and you're going to see some of that today. So if you would, join with me at uh, James chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 6 through 10 to begin. But he, the he here refers to God, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter return to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, there are some sentences in here that are really, really encouraging. The, the kind of sentences that you might, you know, put on a, a coffee mug or a t-shirt or post on social media. The, the kind of sentences you might quote to yourself when you're feeling really alone or you're struggling with temptation. You know, things like uh, to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Like, you know, reminding you that, that if you are in Christ, you have this power, the strength to resist the devil. Or maybe if you're feeling alone, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Just incredibly encouraging, comforting words. And yet mixed right in there, are some really awkward, difficult, hard-to-hear words. You know, things like, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Oh, and then get this one. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Like, what is up? Like, did James wake up on the wrong side of the bed when he wrote these words? Like, was it Christmas for him and he ate some bad fruitcake? Or maybe he just hasn't had his coffee yet. Why is he writing such harsh things? Well, he opens up chapter 4 with some really difficult words, a really strong rebuke. In fact, let's go and read those. Look back to uh, chapter 4, start at verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Oh, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You see, James knows... That if you believe this gospel story, that his half-brother was the Messiah, lived a sinless life, but went and died the sinner's death upon the cross, but rose again from the dead on the third day, that that message should change you from the inside out. That you should begin to live more like Jesus lived and love more like Jesus loved. And yet his readers were not living and loving like Jesus They were being incredibly selfish, which led to all these arguments, which led them to slander one another, to murder other people's reputations, to gossip, to steal. They were incredibly selfish people, which was leading to brokenness. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that we live in a day and an age where that never happens, ever like We don't have to worry about living in a world where the Democrats think that the Republicans are the spawn of Satan. And I'm so glad we live in a world where the Republicans do not see Democrats as the most evil collection of people to have ever lived on the earth. Oh, and within Christianity, it's such a relief to know that we don't have to read blogs or tweets about uh, you know how bad the Southern Baptists are, or how evil the Catholics are, or how twisted the Charismatics are. Like, none of that exists to this day at all. Now, kids... I'm using what's called sarcasm because the opposite is actually true. You see, kids, it isn't just you who have arguments out on the school playground or in the neighborhood or maybe just with your siblings. Us adults also quarrel and fight and take and live selfishly. And we are against people who often don't think like us, who don't dress like us, who don't talk like us, who don't look like us, who don't act like us, So I think if James actually lived in 2021 and got ready to turn the calendar to 2022, he would not change a word. Because what he wrote about 2,000 years ago applies to us today. He points out that all of that brokenness comes from our selfishness. We live in a culture that tells us, you do you. Like, like you be who you're meant to be. Now, there is some wisdom in that. Like, I should not try to become an NFL lineman. Like, 5'8", 160-some pounds, it, it won't work. Right? That, that's not what I'm designed for. I was designed to be a pastor. So for Aaron Bird to do you means I need to be who God created me to be. To love, to shepherd, to serve as a pastor. However, so many people in our culture use that phrase, you do you, As an excuse for selfishness. As a way to sin. A way to get. And it leads to those fights and those quarrels. How they paint everyone else as horrible and evil. Because they're right and it's always their way. James is looking at us going... No, don't you do you. You be like Jesus. Don't take the path to selfishness because selfishness always leads you to unhappiness. Instead, you take the path of selflessness. You be like Jesus. You put the needs of others first and by loving them and serving them, you will give them such great joy and that joy will come back to you. But the path to get there sometimes means going through the hard thing, which is why he says in verses seven through nine, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, be wretched and mourn and weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. If you were to cherry pick those verses right there, seven through nine, out of the Bible, it would sound almost like James is saying to follow Jesus should lead you to depression. That that to be a Christian should be one of the worst emotional things you should go through. Like to be really holy means you just have to look miserable. I don't think that is what he is saying at all. Because if you noticed, verse 10, he said, humble yourselves before the Lord, And he will exalt you. See, I think James is trying to rescue his readers from the path that the world tells them. This is where happiness will be found. Instead he's saying, don't seek what you think is best for you. You seek God. But sometimes the path to get to God is to go through the broken road. It leads to a humbling, to mourning, to weeping, to gloom. Because we look back and we realize how selfish we were, how sinful we were, how much we were actually hurting other people. And that should lead us to this place of brokenness and repentance. But it's in that place of humility that God then exalts us and we end up finding a true joy. I think that is why James is yelling at us like a street preacher, telling us to repent to change, to do it differently because he knows that if we continue along a path of selfishness, seeking our own way, it just leads to death. Instead, he wants to lead us to life. So he says, seek God, submit to him, draw near to him, and then you will be exalted. That's why I think you should participate in the 21 days of prayer. But now the question is, how? How should you go about seeking God? Or or in other words, how should you go about using these 21 days? The the first thing that I think you should do is pray. I think prayer should be the number one thing. After all, we do call it the 21 days of prayer. If you know how to talk, you know how to pray. That's all prayer is. Prayer is simply talking to God. Now, you don't need to talk to him flippantly, flippantly. But you can approach him because Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says we can approach his throne of grace with confidence. So come to him. Just talk to him. Lift up your needs. Lift up the needs of others. Just begin to discuss things with him. If you feel like you need something to help guide you in prayer, then hopefully you grabbed one of the devotional books. We had the devotional books out in our lobby for several weeks. Hopefully you were able to grab one of those. And you can begin to use it on January 1st. And allow the prayer at the very end of each day to lead you and guide you. In fact, if you want, there are blank lines in each day where you could not only take some notes or some thoughts based on the scripture for the day. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. But if you want, you could even journal out your prayers. Some people find writing out their prayer makes their prayers deeper and more meaningful because it slows them down and they think about what they're writing. And it actually helps them in connecting with God. But whether you write out your prayers or you use a guided prayer or you just talk to God, the point is to pray for 21 days. Commit to praying each day, in fact, multiple times a day, to connect to God, to submit to him. Second, I think we need to use the scriptures. Uh, Verse 8 talks about drawing near to God. I, I think when you pray, you're drawing near to God. But also it says that God will draw near to you. Now, in prayer, God's presence, I believe, is right there with you. But so often when we use the scriptures, we are drawing near to God. God has written this through his Holy Spirit, through human authors, to communicate the truths to us. And so when we submit ourselves, we draw near to him through the scriptures, we're allowing him to draw near to us, to teach us, to help us understand more about the gospel and what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so use the scripture So that means get yourself a Bible reading plan. If you don't have one, we've got several on the Riverwood website. Uh, Simply go to weareriverwood.org, click on resources, down to freebies, and in the freebies page, you can find some Bible reading plans. If you already grabbed one of those devotional booklets, please use that, because each day in there, it begins with Scripture. Now, there's an author of that book, and and he shares just a few paragraphs of, of thoughts, but he doesn't start talking first. He he gives us the scripture first. It starts with scripture. So get yourself one of those devotional books or get yourself one of the the Bible reading programs. If you did not get one of those devotional books, by the way, I will be in the office on Friday, December 31st, New Year's uh, Eve uh, from one to five and and make sure that the building is open and available for you to come and get that. That way you have that booklet and you can use it uh, beginning on Saturday, January 1st. So We need to pray during these 21 days of prayer, and I think we also need to allow Scripture to be a part of our uh, spiritual journey during the 21 days. But I want to encourage you to do one more thing. I want to encourage you to fast. Uh, For many of us, we've incorporated fasting into our 21 days of prayer, but I really want to encourage all of us together to do this. Now, your fasting could be related to food. That's oftentimes what fasting is. Maybe you're going to give up one particular type of food. Maybe you're going to give up desserts or ice cream or I, I, I don't know, just one type of food that, that you, maybe you eat a little too much of and you realize, I need to set it aside for a time to remind myself of something better, God. Maybe it's a particular drink. Maybe you need to get rid of all caffeinated drinks, uh, coffee or or energy drinks. Maybe you need to uh, give up alcohol. I I don't know what it is. Maybe there's something you need to give up just for those 21 days. Maybe you need to give up food for an entire 24 hours. I'd encourage you to consider to pray about fasting for 24 hours once a week for the three weeks of our uh, spiritual journey, these 21 days. Just pick Monday, Tuesday, one day, And don't eat for 24 hours. Maybe you could do what Ed and uh, Bridget did. Uh, uh, Ed, one of our elders, and Bridget, who just led us in Kids Creek. Uh, Last year, they each day gave up one meal. Uh, Some days it was breakfast, some days lunch, other days it was uh, dinner, supper. But they gave up one, and they agreed together what they were going to give up. Maybe you could do that. But the point is not to just reduce your calories so that you could maybe lose weight to start off 2022. The point is to seek God. So often we think so much about food, what we're going to eat next, and we make our life about that. That what we need to be reminded is what Jesus said, that man does not live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. So replace it. As you set aside a meal or you set aside dessert, replace that with the scriptures or maybe some time in prayer, maybe turn on some Christ-centered worship music or or listen to a Christ-centered podcast. Do something to fill that space to help you with the temptation when you're wanting to go back and eat or you're wanting to have that drink. But some of you you need to not just make this food related. You also need to add in something else. Maybe you need to get rid of Netflix or social media. Maybe you're too addicted to your phone and so you need to delete some apps off of it and just get it down to the essentials. Do what you need to, to get rid of these things, to allow your your laughter to turn into mourning, your, your joy into gloom. Not because you're trying to make yourself miserable, but you're trying to travel that road to get back to that which is better. Because you have to remember in all of this, what James says right in the middle, after his really, really harsh words in verses one through four, and even in verse five, even though we didn't read it. And then some of his awkward stuff that he says in verses nine and 10. In verse six, he says this, but he gives more grace. James did not believe that his brother was the Messiah as he was growing up. That is sin. He denied who Jesus was in reality. And yet, he came to a place of realizing his brother really was the son of God. And he surrendered his life to follow his his own half-brother. And it brought him joy. And that is what he wanted for his readers, which includes you and me. So he's experienced that grace. And I love that it says he gives more grace. Just after getting after them for their sin, he's like, Yeah, but God gives more grace. In other words, you can't out sin the grace of God. Like God's grace is so great, it doesn't matter what you have done, what you're wrestling with now, God's grace is able to forgive you. But he puts in a warning. He quotes from Proverbs 3.34 in the second half of verse 6. He says, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The reason the people are struggling in verses 1 through 4 is because they are proud. They are making it all about self. Instead, he's saying, you need to humble yourself. And as you humble yourself, as you submit to God, as you draw near to God, you will be exalted and you will experience amazing grace. That is what I want for you. That as we move into 2022, you would start the year by understanding and experiencing God's amazing grace. That you, you would seek after God. God that you would go through this valley, this road, by fasting, by prayer, through scripture intake, so that you would come to a place of being humbled, realizing just how great God is, just how much he loves you, and just how much grace he pours over you. And as you feel that and experience that and live that and believe it, you will be exalted. And so, may you submit yourself, therefore, to God. May you resist the devil and know that he will flee from you. May you draw near to God and confidently know he will draw near to you. May you use the 21 days to cleanse your hands. May you use them to purify your heart. May you allow the fasting to help you be wretched and to mourn and to weep. May during these 21 days, may your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom so that you will have humbled yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do this for your glory and for our joy. God, help us to not treat the 21 days of just another program. That, that come this Saturday, we wouldn't uh, just simply do this because it's what our church is doing or we'd go through the motions to somehow try to impress you, but that we would genuinely seek you, allowing you to be the priority in our lives. God, forgive us of our selfishness. Forgive us for the ways we try to make life all about self. God, help us to give some things up these, during these 21 days so that we get you because, God, you give us more grace. Help us to live in that grace, to find joy through that grace, and to be compelled to go and be a blessing because of that grace. So God, I pray you'd help us to start 2022 on the right foot, in the right way, for your glory and for our joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.